Hello, my name is Dr. Tom Hughes, and today it is my pleasure to be speaking to Professor Elan Louis from Yale School of Medicine. Professor Louis has written an article for Practical Neurology, which is available on the website and is the editor's choice paper for the October issue. The title of the paper is Essential Tremor a nuanced approach to the clinical features. Professor Louis, thank you very much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks for inviting me, Tom. So could I start by just um, asking you about your comment that essential tremor is multifaceted and highly patterned? Right, so one of the... uh... One of the issues with essential tremor is that it's often viewed as a nondescript, featureless tremor. Um, And uh, it's often uh, used as a wastebasket diagnosis, but actually um, it's a quite uh, patterned, uh, feature-filled tremor. uh, And there's quite a bit of nuance in terms of the different features of the not only tremor but tremors in essential tremor Hmm. i I was struck by that and could you just remind our listeners about the different types of action tremor uh, that you've tabled in table one certainly so uh, action tremor uh, is a tremor that occurs when uh, skeletal muscles are being voluntarily contracted And uh, the two most common types are kinetic tremor and postural tremor. Uh, Isometric tremor is another type, although it's it's more rare. So mostly you're dealing with kinetic and postural tremors. Thank you. And um, I noticed that you mentioned that some of the patients do have a postural component. Can you advise us about the features of essential tremor at rest and during movement? Essential tremor is often defined as either a postural or a kinetic tremor, and that's actually incorrect. It's predominantly a kinetic tremor, and then patients may also, and many of them do, in fact, have postural tremors. So kinetic tremors can be tested during activities such as writing, pouring water, using a spoon, drinking from a cup. And postural tremor is tested by just holding the arms extended uh, in front of the body. And uh, typically, in essential tremor, the kinetic tremor is of greater severity than the postural tremor, and the converse pattern, a greater postural than kinetic tremor, uh, should uh, raise uh, suspicion about the diagnosis. And furthermore, most patients or rather all patients by definition, have kinetic tremor in the upper limbs, but not all of them have postural tremor in the upper limbs. Interesting. And you mentioned that it has rhythm and it rotates around a central axis or plane. Could you describe that in more detail? So the key features of any tremor, uh, whether it's essential tremor or dystonic tremor or Parkinsonian tremor, and there are only two of these features, are rhythmicity, meaning regularly recurrent, and an oscillatory type of movement. That means moving 
symmetrically or rotating symmetrically around a central plane. And those are the sine qua non for something that you would uh, label as tremor. Hmm. You mentioned the postural component, just going back to it. And you mentioned that it may be worse in the wing beating position than with the arms outstretched. Could you describe that for us? There are actually several ways to test for postural tremor. The two common ways are just by holding the arms out in front of the body with the palms facing downward. And then the other way is to uh, hold the uh, arms uh, so that the uh, elbows are uh, out and the uh, uh, palms are down and that the uh, hands are facing one another in the midline. This is a wing beat position. And typically, essential tremor, the postural component of it at least, uh, is a little worse during the wing beat position than during the other position we spoke about. And we're always taught that um, the tremor of Parkinson's disease is asymmetrical, whereas that of essential tremor is generally symmetrical. Would you like to disabuse us of that idea? Well, I think, you know, as with most things in life, there's some truth to that. Uh, Parkinson's disease starts out uh, unilaterally, uh, so the, the, the tremor is asymmetric. And typically it is or can be far worse on one side than the other. Uh, essential tremor is not as asymmetric as Parkinsonian tremor. Um, but uh, it is, the, the tremor is asymmetric with about a 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50% difference in amplitude, typically between the two sides and sometimes even greater. So I would say that typically the tremor of essential tremor is mildly asymmetric. Thank you very much. I was intrigued about your comment that the the two upper limbs may be out of phase. Could you expand on that for us? The uh, oscillations on the right and the left side are often slightly out of phase, um, so that when a patient uh, holds a cup, for example, with both hands, the tremors cancel out, and it's actually easier for the patient to hold the cup in that uh, in that way with both hands. If the tremors were in phase with one another, then you'd get a enhancement of the tremor when both hands were held together. So this is also a diagnostic test uh, for essential tremor to see that uh, the tremor uh, lessens uh, and it's functionally easier for the person to drink when both hands are held around the cup. I noticed that you use uh, the drawing of an Archimedes spiral to help with your diagnosis. Could you explain in what way that is useful? Certainly. So what I ask patients to do is draw an Archimedes spiral with their right hand. And um, in a study that we conducted several years ago that involved about 100 or 120 essential tremor patients, about two-thirds of the patients had what we referred to as a single visible tremor axis. And what I mean by that is that the, as the patient goes around in the spiral, the tremor tends to worsen at certain spots. 
and one can actually draw a line through that spot. So if it were a clock face, uh, it would be at about one to two o'clock and about seven or eight o'clock. And when the patient gets to the one and two o'clock position, the tremor worsens, and when they get down to the seven and eight o'clock position, the tremor worsens. Conversely, with the left hand, that tremor axis in those two-thirds of patients was at 90 degrees uh, off. So that tremor axis was, again, at a clock face at about 10 or 11 o'clock and about 4 and 5 o'clock. This isn't every essential tremor patient. In that study, it was about two-thirds. And when we compared it to patients with dystonic tremor, it was only about 40% of those. So I often use the identification of a single uh, tremor axis on spirals as something that pushes me more towards essential tremor and further away from dystonia. I just wanted to add one other point, which is that sometimes patients with dystonia may have an axis in that position, but they also have axes in other positions as well. So they often have either no axis or multiple axes, whereas the essential tremor patients just have a single identifiable axis. Um, you mentioned that it's worse at the wrist. Could you describe that component for us? The, uh, the, the tremor and essential tremor can involve uh, the elbows, uh, the wrist, the metacarpal phalangeal joints or the phalangeal joints, but it tends to be uh, a bit worse uh, at the wrist and then perhaps secondarily so at the elbow as opposed to, say, a Parkinsonian postural tremor where the uh, tremor is often more distal involving the metacarpal phalangeal and or phalangeal joints. No. We're always flummoxed in clinic when we do see rest tremor in patients that we otherwise think have an essential tremor. Should we be concerned about the development of a rest tremor? I think, uh, yes, uh, you know, one should be concerned. I think uh, that the rest tremor can signify either an advance of the essential tremor itself or the beginnings of Parkinson's disease. We know that patients with essential tremor are about four to five times more likely to develop new onset Parkinson's disease than similarly aged control subjects without essential tremor. Um, but what I can tell you is that uh, anywhere between one and 35% of essential tremor patients can develop rest tremor without Parkinson, without this being a sign of Parkinson's um, disease. And we can tell the difference by the absence of bradykinesia or rigidity in those patients. Uh, typically, the rest tremor and essential tremor involves the upper limb rather than the lower limb. And typically, it occurs in very advanced and severe essential tremor. So, uh, Tremor in rest tremor in the leg or rest tremor in a mild and early onset case of essential tremor should raise suspicion about, par about co-occurring Parkinson's disease. The other concern is when the tremor starts to involve the 
the neck, the voice, or the jaw. How common is that in essential tremor, and what are the cardinal features? So what happens with essential tremor is that it starts out as a low amplitude, that the tremor starts out as a low amplitude kinetic tremor. And then with time, uh, patients develop tremor that is uh, kinetic tremor that is more severe. They can develop postural tremors. They can develop intention tremor. They can develop rest tremor. And also the tremor can then spread to involve other bodily regions. And the most commonly affected bodily region, uh, aside from the upper extremities, is the neck or, or the head. And it turns out that women with essential tremor are about five to ten times more likely to develop that co-occurring head tremor than are men with essential tremor. Uh, for women with essential tremor, it's about 50% or so who develop uh, the head tremor. And for men, it's a smaller percentage. Um, other cranial structures besides the neck, or what I'm referring to, I'm equating neck and head, uh, other, than, other than the neck, uh, include the jaw um, and, uh, and the voice. And those uh, occur in anywhere between about 10 and 20% of essential tremor cases. So... I was intrigued by your observation about what happens to neck tremor when patients with essential tremor lie flat. Could you describe that for us? I use this sign in clinic all the time. It's useful in terms of distinguishing a patient with essential tremor from one with dystonic tremor. Uh, when the uh, essential tremor patient lies down, the tremor uh, more often than not uh, resolves. And that's because the, the head tremor in essential tremor is a postural tremor rather than a resting tremor. Uh, in patients with dystonia, in the large majority, the head tremor does not resolve um, when they lie down. And that's because that tremor is not a strictly postural tremor. So that's one way to help distinguish between those two um, diagnostic possibilities. Thank you very much. You also make some observations about tremor involving the mouth when it is open and when it is closed. Could you describe that clinical sign to us? Certainly. So this gets back to the notion that, that the tremor, an essential tremor, is not a bland and featureless and nondescript tremor. And uh, even the, the jaw tremor has certain uh, qualities. And one of those is that uh, it more typically occurs when the mouth is open rather than in Parkinson's disease when the mouth is closed and at rest, if you will. Uh, so the mouth might be open during voluntary speech or during sustained phonation. Could I also ask you about this business of gait ataxia in essential tremor? Um, patients with essential tremor not only have motor uh, features in the form of tremor and other non-tremulous motor features, but they also have non-motor features. So this uh, is a... Um, cognitive and motor uh, disorder, if you will. 
And among the motor features uh, are tremor and non-tremor. And uh, gait ataxia is the most uh, noticeable non-tremor uh, motor feature. And um, this is something that uh, occurs in many essential tremor patients. If you ask them to walk on a, a tandem gait and you compare that gait to that of uh, an age match control, um, you'll find that they take more steps to the side. Um, often, uh, this gait problem is not of great functional significance. Uh, patients will complain about it if you ask them. Sometimes they'll voluntarily complain about it, but it's, it's, it's not the kind of thing that results in uh, the need uh, for walkers and wheelchairs. Uh, but patients do have less balanced confidence than uh, non-ET patients. Now, when it comes to distinguishing essential tremor from Parkinson's disease, what advice would you give to the general neurologist uh, particularly in terms of the most youthful signs. The, the tremor of the two disorders uh, can overlap, uh, but also be uh, quite, uh, you know, quite different. So one has to look carefully at the features of the tremor. Uh, one of the features we spoke about a little earlier was that the, the tremor of Parkinson's disease uh, tends to be, the, the postural tremor tends to be more distal, a tremor, whereas a postural tremor of essential tremor tends to involve uh, the wrist. Uh, we've spoken about the fact that the rest tremor of essential tremor is a late uh, feature of the disease in severe cases and involves the arm uh, and does not involve the leg. Uh, but one can also look at other features. Uh, so, for example, head tremor. Uh, which is quite common in essential tremor, is very rare in Parkinson's disease. And then, of course, the bradykinesia and rigidity, which occurs in Parkinson's disease, does not occur in patients with essential tremor. You mentioned that some patients will have a bit of bradykinesia, perhaps because of their age, but they won't have a decrement. I can... Think about the finger taps, for example, and asking patients to perform finger taps. They may be a little bit slower in essential tremor, and this is probably either related to their age or the fact that they have tremor, which is making it difficult to coordinate those finger taps, but they don't have the typical finding that is found in Parkinson's disease in which the amplitude of the taps uh, declines with each successive tap, and we refer to that as decrement. And you've mentioned the sign where the tremor in the neck improves in essential tremor when patients lie flat. You also mention that patients with dystonia often will have hypertrophy of their neck muscles, and the tremor will resolve with the so-called gest maneuver. Are those useful signs in clinic, do you think? Absolutely. I think the two most difficult differentials are between ET and Parkinson's disease and between ET and, uh, and dystonia. And certainly the, the quality of the, of the neck tremor 
um, is one thing that one has to pay careful attention to in terms of distinguishing ET uh, from dystonia. The presence of hypertrophy of the sternocleidomastoid muscles is a marker for uh, dystonia with dystonic uh, neck tremor. The persistence of the tremor when the patients lies uh, when the patients lie down, that is another uh, feature of uh, dystonic uh, neck tremor. Uh, the use of a uh, sensory trick or a jest antagonist is another feature of dystonic uh, neck tremor. The irregularity of the tremor uh, and directionality of the tremor is another feature of dystonic mm -hmm. neck tremor. These are all features that are helpful in the clinic. Thank you. And you also mentioned one other feature, which is that if you see someone with tremor involving only their head and not their limbs, then that nudges you towards more of a dystonic tremor than an essential tremor. Have I got that right? Yes, absolutely. And that's a major red flag. Either when patients come in and they tell you that historically the tremor began in the head uh, or if presently on examination they have isolated head tremor those are big red flags that you're probably dealing with dystonia rather than essential tremor could you add one or two comments about the response to medication as a diagnostic aid i think that the Response to medication, unfortunately, is not a great diagnostic um, aid. Uh, firstly, it's commonly thought that alcohol, ethanol, uh, that response to ethanol is a marker for essential tremor, but all tremors lessen with ethanol, uh, partly because the patient just becomes relaxed and sometimes sleepy. Uh, propranolol uh, also is not a great marker, even though it's used to treat essential tremor, it's also very effective at reducing enhanced physiological tremor in all patients, whether they have Parkinson's disease or dystonia or essential tremor, they have enhanced physiological tremor and that will improve with propranolol. Uh, primidone is also another frontline agent for essential tremor. And patients do often improve with that. But again, uh, this is an agent that depresses the central nervous system. And it can uh, lessen the tremor, for example, of uh, patients with dystonia. So I never use response to medications uh, to help me diagnostically. Thank you. And I can't resist asking you whether you have a favorite investigation, radiological investigation, that you find useful in making these diagnoses? I don't really. Unfortunately, there is no diagnostic test for essential tremor. There's no radiological diagnostic test for essential tremor. As we know that there's one for Parkinson's disease in the form of the DAC scan. But generally, one can make these distinctions clinically without the need for the DAT scan to confirm the Parkinson's diagnosis. Are there any closing comments you'd like to make for our listeners uh, to inspire them to become interested in this very um, relevant 
territory of neurological practice? Certainly. So one caveat I'd like to make is just that these tests and these discussion points and these features that I've been speaking about are useful, uh, but they are not uh, always present, and there are exceptions to every rule. So these are merely uh, guideposts uh, to help one. So that's the first caveat. Uh, the intriguing thing is that essential tremor is the most common movement disorder, probably with the exception of restless leg syndrome or uh, maybe tics, but it's extremely common. Uh, yet it's misdiagnosed in as many as 50% of cases. And uh, this is something that's concerning. And I think uh, traditionally this is because the tremor was uh, not uh, studied extensively and it was just viewed as a nondescript tremor. In fact, there was even an equation people would refer to the physical examination finding as essential tremor, which is the diagnosis. The, the diagnosis is essential tremor. The tremor is a kinetic tremor or a postural tremor. But now as we study the disorder more uh, carefully, we realize that there are patterns. And these can be useful for all of us in terms of uh, arriving at the correct diagnosis in these patients. Elan, thank you very much indeed for your time today. And can I take this opportunity to recommend your paper to all of our listeners? Thanks very much, Tom. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you.